Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Before we get into today's show, let me talk to you about the best way to play fantasy football this season, and that is the Owner's Box Superflex Salary Cap Game. Build your nine-player lineup in minutes and start winning real cash. If you use the promo code DREW9 today, that is DREW9, you will get a free $10 entry into their $100,000 Week 1 contest. I'm already in that contest, so play against me and the rest of the TDN Fantasy family over on Owner's Box. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast, Chris Schubert and Jamie Eisner post- Week one, Sunday night football. We have actual football to recap. And I know my partner in crime on this show is going to talk about this later when he talks about owner's box. But we have to start with our guy, Jamie Eisner, a big week in the DFS streets over at ownersbox.com. Finished third, I believe. So a round of applause to you before we start the recap. Yes, it's that that big owner's box $100,000 contest that we've been talking about. Uh, I... Came out a few grand ahead, let's just say, uh, by the end of the day. So uh, shout out to our guys over there at Owner's Box. Had a pretty pretty good lineup. So uh, I'm really excited to kind of see how this plays out over the rest of the year. And we'll talk about that a little bit more later on. But let's kind of get into the games here. Before we get into the games, Jamie, I got to tell everybody about our friends over at Bet Online. It's that time of year again. All eyes have already started to turn towards football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. As always, Bet Online, your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including the online's biggest half million dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL survivor contest open now at Bet Online. You can head over to the website or you can use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, lots of games to get into. We're going to recap them all, discuss all the different fantasy angles. Um, kind of an instant reaction, right? The entire slate here on Sunday is over, and we'll give you our thoughts. And for those of you maybe just joining us for the first time, you're going to get these recaps every Sunday night when these games are all done. And then we'll come back later in the week on Tuesday, I believe, and we'll give you waiver wire yep. pickups and maybe midweek thoughts um, for, for you entering the next week's worth of games. And Jamie, I'm going in the order that I see here uh, on ESPN.com. That is where I'm working off of in the first game for me listed is uh the lovely game between the eagles and the falcons and i'll eat i'll eat the 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 humble pie i'll eat the crow on this one jalen hurts ultimately ended up with a pretty good day the three passing touchdowns 264 yards but really the thing i want to talk about is and i don't want this to just be a week one overreaction show but boy oh boy did that falcons offense not look very good no, they didn't look good at all uh, in this game at all. Obviously, Matt Ryan did not throw for a touchdown under 200 yards passing. Uh, you know, Mike Davis didn't get really things going on the ground. Cordero Patterson looked better with his limited options. You know, Ridley catches three balls like right away and then only ends the game with five for 51. 
you know, Kyle Pitts had a fourth down catch, but didn't really do much from there. The Falcons were all out of sort in this game. And, you know, Philadelphia's defense, we, we talked about this a little bit on the show last week, where they're a little bit better than I think perception would give them, but they're still not good. This was a matchup the Falcons absolutely needed to take advantage of. And if you started Calvin Ridley this week, which was 100% of the people that drafted Calvin Ridley started Calvin Ridley yeah. this week, uh, you're you know, you got 10.1 points, but you're really disappointed in that. Like, it looked like it was going to be a big day for him, and then it just kind of wasn't. I, I was very surprised with how lackluster the offense as a whole looks. I mean, it never really felt like they were in that football game. It kind of felt like they were just hanging on and watch, were watching Jalen Hurts and Devonta Smith and Miles Sanders and Kenneth Gainwell and company just kind of score. Yeah, and I think the other thing too, Jamie, that I would look at is one, there were question marks about what kind of role Devonta Smith could carve out here in this team. Were we worried about a rookie stepping into this offense that was kind of changing? Well, he gets he leads the team in targets with eight, goes for the one touchdown on his first play. Also, did you see the cool uh, picture that was going out on Twitter that he basically caught the touchdown in around the same spot that he caught yeah. the national touchdown, uh, the national championship game winning touchdown. It was basically the same spot of the field. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, again, it's just happenstance, but it was a cool thing to see. There were some cool things across the board. Obviously, Devonta Smith and Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle all catching touchdowns today from yeah. their college quarterbacks is, is all kind of fun to talk about. But Devonta Smith led the, the Eagles 62 snaps at wide receiver, which was nine more than Jalen Rager and double that of Quez Watkins, the number three receiver. So he was out there a ton, obviously got you six for 71 in a touchdown. Looks like he's going to be a weekly player. But yeah, Jalen Hurts was great this week. Um, you know, we could talk about a little bit of, of real life versus fantasy, but in, from a fantasy perspective, he was sensational. And that goes back to the comments that we talked about on the show earlier last week. Where I said, if you're not going to play him this week, when are you going to play him? Had him in my yeah. top five quarterbacks. That paid off well. My one note for this game, Kenneth Gainwell intrigues me because we've been talking all offseason and in the preseason, it very much felt like they were setting up a role for Boston Scott to kind of be that passing down two-minute drill type of back there. He didn't get those opportunities in this game. Those opportunities went to Kenneth Gainwell. So that is somebody that if you're looking for like last spot on your bench, fringe kind of a guy, he's now somebody that should be on your fantasy radar that wasn't at this time last week. Yeah, and I would add one more thing, Jamie, before we move on to the next game. For those of you who may be worried at the final stat line for Kyle Pitts of four catches for 31 yards, the silver lining I would give was he tied Calvin Ridley in targets in this offense with eight. So he is still going to be a featured player moving forward. I know not necessarily the week one uh, performance or, or production that you were looking for, but those numbers, those underlying numbers are uh, are a big thing that I would focus on. Uh, the next game up, the Steelers and the Bills and it's a late entry to the party here on the show. Jake Arians has joined us. Wasn't sure if uh, if we were going to see him, but he, but he is here. He is here to do a run-in with us. Uh, so, Jake, I'll go to you here first here when we look at this Steelers-Bills game. The Steelers pick up a 23-16 victory. But from a fantasy standpoint, uh, not a whole lot going on in this game for a large portion of it. Josh Allen uh, has the one passing touchdown. The Steelers' offense doesn't really do a whole lot. They got to do. Uh, they got need a special teams touchdown to kind of turn the tide in this game. But it's the Steelers that move to one and zero on the season. Yeah, it also costing you on the on the Pitts thing. They're not playing that defensive line every week. That that defensive line at Philly is legit, and the Atlanta offensive line, let's be honest, is hot garbage. It's going to be an issue all year, but they're not playing that defensive line every week. Unfortunately for them, they're playing it again next week when they come to Tampa. Uh, that Pittsburgh Baltimore Buffalo game was interesting. Uh, I didn't really know what to make of that that Buffalo offense, but we saw the exact same thing we saw last year, which was absolutely no running game whatsoever. So why I think Singletary is the feature guy, and I'm not sure where this Moss thing came out of this offseason. Everybody kept asking me, 
a lot like the Tampa stuff. Do you take Singletary, you take Moss? I think it's still Singletary because they're going to throw it a ton. I don't know how much they're going to run it. I was a little scared how much I saw Josh Allen run it. I think you're going to be fine. I think Diggs is going to have a big week. He's going to get in the end zone a lot. I'm not really worried about that. But they couldn't move it, and that Pittsburgh Steelers defense is is pretty damn good. Now, flip that side, you didn't really get a – that wasn't a new offense from Pittsburgh. That was the exact Mm -hmm. same thing we saw last year with a much better running game and a better offensive line play. And Ben looked like he had a little more pop in his arm. He looked like he could move around a little bit better. I think I'm, I'm going to upgrade the Steelers stuff, and I'm not that worried about the Buffalo stuff, but it was a terrible loss at home for them to be up 10 nothing at halftime and do absolutely nothing in the second half. Yeah, this was a weird game for the Bills. Like They just never got out of first gear, and, and you kept waiting for them to make a move. You kept waiting for this game to take off and never really did. You know, Zach Moss was a, a little bit of a surprise inactive. We found out just before game time that he was one of a few running backs today that were surprised inactive about an hour before kickoff. But, it, it you know, you got what you needed from Diggs. You got what you needed from Beasley, who continues to be underrated fantasy-wise, regardless of how his Twitter account acts or his rapping career. He continues to still provide you plenty of PPR fantasy value. You didn't get what you were hoping for in week one of Najee Harris, but I would caution to say he played – won the hundred percent of the Steelers offensive snaps. Yeah. So that's what this is about process. Obviously only had 45 yards on the ground, caught one pass for four yards, but you, you hold steady there. You'd like to see that kind of usage. As we said, there's no way that's going to steal touches for them. And they literally never took him off the field. And you saw you know, flashes you have- of what you expect from Najee yes. Harris, right? Like that offensive line is not great, but he gets in space. He hits the hole quick. He makes guys miss. He ran people over. Like he's going to, I'm, I'm, very bullish on, on Najee Harris after seeing that. Yeah, so that, that's my big takeaway here is that hold steady on Najee Harris. Don't panic. If you didn't have a chance to watch this game and you just see the fantasy score in your lineup, uh, it was not as bad as it might appear. Um, let's go to the next game. Easily the one of the more entertaining games of the uh, the 1 o'clock slate. Cincinnati wins in overtime against Minnesota 27-24. We got to start with Jamar Chase catching the football, right? I mean, that's where we have to start. We were all concerned about it in the lead-up to this game. No prop. Gets seven targets, goes five for 101, and the one touchdown. Joe Mixon, healthy, looked good. He goes for 127 and a one touchdown. Guys, the Cincinnati offense looks as good as we thought it was going to be, at least from a fantasy perspective. There are guys that are going to be involved. They're going to be able to run it. They're going to be able to throw it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Can we really start where we need to start? And that's Tyler Boyd having like three for 36. And as not somebody, having yeah. the target. Yeah. Yeah. As somebody who had um, Tyler Boyd over four and a half catches, no, I would not like to yeah, ask the three Tyler for 32 Boyd fantasy club show that we should start there. But you're exactly right, man. This offense is going to be – they tried to protect Joe, Joe Burrow. They ran it really well. Mixon was better. His offensive line looked pretty good. They don't want to get him hurt again. They know they have the weapons. Higgins had a big day. Jamar Chase had, of course, had the huge day and didn't drop any of his stuff. Uh, which we expected him to bounce back. We just didn't really know how much usage was going to be there. I think they're going to be pretty legit. That Them in Chicago next week is an interesting one, Jamie. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, I look at the Cincinnati team of – they're one of those teams that they're not going to – at the end of the year, their record isn't going to be anything spectacular, but they're not a pushover. And they're going to win – they're going to win a lot of these games that you give them like a 40% chance going in. They're going to win on some of those games this year. And – you know, Joe Burrow still took too many hits for my liking, took five sacks, came up uh, gimpy on a couple plays there. It's, again, something that's going to be a concern for him as well. But Mixon looked phenomenal. Uh, loved the way he was used in this game. 29 carries they gave him in addition to his four targets in the passing game. Chase looked good. Higgins got banged up, though, missed, missed a large portion of this game despite catching that touchdown. So we'll keep an eye on him. But your Bengals stars were your stars. And on Minnesota side, Look, Adam Thielen's keeping it going. Two more touchdowns here. He looked really good in this game. Nine for 92 and two touchdowns. 
And KJ Osborne, it actually looks, it was the clear wide receiver three there in terms of snap count and in terms of production, seven for 76. Cook got his, you know, Jefferson five for 71. Okay. You know, nothing special there. On the tight end side, we got a clear picture, though, of who's the starting tight end. It's Tyler Conklin. Got, I believe, yep. more than doubled up Chris Herndon in terms of total snaps there. This is just a, this is one of these games, like, the, the Minnesota has to win these games. This is why this team never progresses. Like, this is a game, I know you're on the road, but you are a better football team than Cincinnati. At least we thought you were coming into this game. And really, they deserve to lose this football game. At no point did I feel like this was, oh, no, the Bengals played their absolute best. And no, it, Minnesota equal, it was equally to blame for them losing the game as Cincinnati was for winning. Uh, a game that I think has a lot of fantasy storylines to talk about. The 49ers go into Detroit. They have it in hand. It's easy. Chris, no problem. Chris, They're up. has fantasy season really started if Raheem Mostert doesn't get hurt mid-game and is out for the rest of the game? I'll, like, I'll is, tell you is what. It truly fantasy season until Raheem Mostert leaves the game early and is ruled out. It took all I'll of the first quarter of the first game, Jamie. I'll tell you what. <laughs> it's I, I unreal. Had, we listen, this is a fantasy related show, but I had the 49ers minus the seven and a half. And I was telling everybody that was my that lock I, of the week. I said, easy money. that's the easiest money of all time. The 49ers on the road against the lions. And we talked about it on this show and Jake said, Oh, they're going to be up big late. They're going to run the ball. It's going to be fine. And the game went exactly the way we said it was going to go. They were all over. them. They were up big. And then it was just a house of cards. It just collapsed. Onside kick recoveries, fumbles late in the fourth quarter, just a disaster. They hold on to cover, so it's okay. Still the easy money. But boy, was this game a roller coaster. And I think there's fantasy storylines aplenty. I'll start with San Francisco. Mostert leaves the game. Trey Sermon is inactive for this game. So it's Elijah Mitchell who is the, has the big standout performance. He goes 19 carries, 104, and the touchdown. Jimmy Garoppolo looked good. And Jamie, I think I'll start here with you. The San Francisco running game, we talked about it in the preseason. It's going to be a rotating group of guys, but with Trey Sermon inactive, it was Eliza Mitchell who uh, came away as RB1 today. Yeah, he's going to have a, a decently strong camp. It kind of got hidden on the depth chart behind everybody that's been there already. Uh, and, and Kyle Shanahan's trying to like do his best, his father's impression there. of like, I can literally stick any running back in my system and get 100 yards out of him. Uh, it, it, it's, it's a fascinating thing they have going on here. Obviously, if Mostert's going to miss time, Sermon will not be inactive next week, and I believe it'll be more of a split between Mitchell and Sermon with, I guess, a couple carries here and there for Jermichael Hasty. The big thing for me is I don't know like, if Brandon Ayuk kicked Kyle Shanahan's dog. I don't know where he was today. Like, I don't, I, did he miss the flight? Like I, I mean, Trent Sherfield was getting snaps over Brandon Ayuk in this game. And I know we saw Sherfield come in here and there in that third preseason game, but it was really Debo, George Kittle, and nobody else. We did not even, uh, he did not have a catch. I'm not even sure he had a target in this game to Brandon Ayuk. Nope, so that would, did that's absolutely scary for me. On the Detroit side, you know, we saw the report pregame that DeAndre Swift would be limited, and then he really wasn't. He ends up out carrying Jamal Williams and gets a, you know, eight for 65 and a touchdown in the passing game. My, I have two thoughts here on the Lions. One is that I might end up being a little bit wrong on TJ Hawkinson. Uh, I definitely was wrong this week. He, even though this was not a good matchup for him, obviously, eight for 97 and a touchdown, he, he killed it. But you're going to get games like this from Detroit where they're just so bad that they're going to volume their way into fantasy production. And, and I, I mentioned that before with Jared Goff where we talked about him in my rankings before. Of He's going to have some of these games. He threw 57 times in these games. Uh, I believe one of my bold predictions was that he led the league in pass attempts if we talked about that bold prediction show. You're going to get games like this. 
And it's just the Lions aren't very good. This game completely shifted with Jason Verrett towards ACL. Yeah. Like that is when this game completely shifted. The Niners said, we're taking our foot all the way off the gas and we're going to just try to get out of here with a win. And and they did. And, that you know, you don't have to. There's no BCS, you know, polls here. A win's a win in the NFL. But uh, and I'm not actually worried about that, but there are some issues in this game. You lose Mostert. You lose Jason Verrett. It's not ideal. Uh, so I'd be a little bit more concerned about the Niners going forward. But from the Lions standpoint, there was a ton of fantasy value in these games. And you're going to have these matchups where guys like Hawkinson and Swift and Jamal Williams and Goff are all fantasy relevant simply because you're going to throw the ball so much in the second half. Somebody on this show, when Chris decided to be the Trey Sermon leader in the bandwagon, jump on the hype train, told you this little guy named Eliza Mitchell fit this offense better than Trey Sermon does and watch out for him. You guys remember that way back in the spring when hype train yeah. first started driving the train for Trey Sermon? Just, just wanted to throw that out to remind you. The only other place I've disagreed with Jamie this this offseason is I thought Debo Samuel was still the one over Brandon Ayuk. As much as I like Ayuk, he still felt like the big play guy. And maybe it'll change when they change quarterbacks, if they do. But Debo Samuel runs that deep dig route that Jimmy Garoppolo throws so well in play action. and It just makes me feel like he's going to be the guy. But I agree with you. Where the hell was Ayuk? But look at this day from Jimmy G, guys. You're telling me he's getting benched 17 of 25 for 314 a touchdown. One of them was kind of gimmicky. He threw it under underneath, and Debo Samuel caught it and ran for a touchdown. But sure. that is one efficient touch- freaking day. But he also got a touchdown taken away from him when they brought Trey Lance in the goal line package. You know what I mean? Exactly. So there's a, that's a potential for another touchdown for him there. But like you What know, you, you asked him to do from a football perspective, yeah. he was really good. I mean, this yeah. defense losing Brett is going to be huge. And this team obviously isn't as good as we thought. I'm glad they covered, but like – I, I thought they could give the NFC a run for their money on getting back to the Super Bowl with the way this thing's built. They can't get have any more injuries. But, dude, this Lions team's awful. You gave up 33, and this thing was close. Like, the Lions were driving. They were in the, the, the Niners 30 yeah. with 30 seconds left. Yeah, I, as somebody who picked the 49ers to win the NFC West and, and thought that they could really join that upper echelon of teams in the NFC and, and give Tampa a run – I'm not feeling very confident after the way that this that this team performed in the second half of this game against Detroit. But I'm not going to overreact to week one. I'll get a little bit of a, of a bigger sample size before I completely jump off the ship. Uh, but not looking good after week one. Uh, speaking of leading the hype train, uh, I'm not doing it for this team. But they played well, and I, I'm already starting to see teams do it. People do it and join on the hype train. The Cardinals go into Tennessee, and they are all over the Titans. Just all over from the word go. The Titans couldn't do anything. Uh, six sacks, I think, in total is what it ended up for Tannehill. It got sacked Five six for Jones. times Five in, for this, in this Jones. game. And it was a four-touchdown performance in the air for Kyler Murray. He adds another one on the ground. DeAndre Hopkins catches two touchdowns. Christian Kirk apparently is now emerging as the wide receiver, too, there. He catches two touchdowns. And on the other side of things for Tennessee, it's not a great performance for Derrick Henry because they were behind early. They had to throw it. Not really. I look at this. I I, I look at this and I go, we warned you that this Titans defense was hot garbage. And that Mm -hmm. this was. So I'm not surprised. This Arizona aspect of this today. Obviously, it was extremely efficient, but didn't really shock me. Tennessee's complete inability to move the football against Arizona's defense surprised me. Like, that really did. Like, I thought this would be a game where both teams could be in the 30s. Like, I really thought that's what this was going to go in. If you watch the Money Down show, you know I picked the over. Uh, you get 51 points in the in the first three quarters and then zero in the fourth, so it doesn't actually end up going over. But, uh, it, like, this – Kyler looked – he looked good at times. He made some like ridiculous, like video game oh, Michael stupid. Vick Madden 04 yeah. plays in this game. 
Uh, the, the the rainbow pass to Christian Kirk uh, that let, that drops yeah. right in the bucket. Uh, Hopkins and that's looks like why a I'm not jumping on the hype train. I don't think yeah. that's sustainable in the NFL. It's it's, it's not repeatable, right? The highlights are yeah. awesome. Oh, but no, that, I, that's I just have... not a weak. Yeah, I still I'm not backing off any of the concerns before because I thought this was a matchup they could exploit and they did and it looked really good. The more takeaway is is Christian Kirk with that snap count confirms what Jake's been telling you all along that, that he is the the third option number slash him and AJ Green are the top three options. And I know Ronda Moore had a decent game, but like his snap count was significantly less than where Kirk and AJ Green were. Uh, I kind of like the way they use Connor and Edmonds. I really like the mix that they have Balance, both yeah. those guys. Both of them were effective in their roles, and I think that is going to be something that can be really effective for them going forward. Tennessee side, you got nothing from Julio, three for twenty-nine. You know, AJ Brown catches a touchdown, a nice touchdown late to save his fantasy day. I was expecting huge things from Tannehill or AJ Brown in this week, and you didn't really get it. Um, you know, the game script was not in Derrick Henry's favor, which is which is going to be the concern that we've all brought up on the show before is if the Titans defense is this bad, they take Derrick Henry out for large portions of these passing drives. We saw Jeremy McNichols basically get a whole drive to himself in the second half of this game. Again, I wouldn't do anything yet with some of these guys, but, you know, the people that were purporting the Titans to be these AFC contenders, I think got got smacked in the mouth. Uh, I still think everybody in the AFC South is is bad. Like somebody has to win it, but I I'm I, like I said I I'll stick by. I don't think we have a double digit win team in the AFC South. I, I think nine and eight wins that division. Yeah, I mean, look, this is this is what scared me off on Henry in the first place. He, they had plenty of times to run it the first half. They couldn't, and by the time they had to get off the run, they were getting smacked in the mouth because their defense couldn't do anything. Julio, Jamie, you hit the nail on the head with what you're going to get from Julio, except for they're going to have to throw it a little bit more because this defense is bad. The Colts out-analytic themselves. For those of you that freaking love the analytics in football, they out-analytics themselves. Frank Wright killed himself on two fourth, fourth down calls that they didn't get. Which the game was 21, what, 13 at the time? 21, 16, whatever it was. That was ridiculous. Yeah, these teams, uh, hell, Houston probably looked like the most efficient team today. We probably all picked them to go like 2-15. The and 15. First place. Houston Texans. That's right. The first just like we all predicted. We'll talk about them later. We'll talk about that. I want a victory lap on on that quarterback. We we will talk talk about about that that in a second. Uh, One last thing on the Cardinals though, Chris, they got to stay healthy because you can already see the pieces when they're healthy. While I don't think the way that Kyler played today was sustainable, he can do enough of that stuff to still put up points on just about any defense. But they can't afford injuries, and that defense that played so well today is so old and so young. They can't afford any injuries, which you know are coming, and really sustain that the way that they play. Because that defense was – we've heard that they're going to be good. But it was a lot of that Homer, Arizona media that you can't really know if you can trust. They were damn good today. They were. I, I thought Marco Wilson in particular, too, for, for a rookie being thrust into a role he, quite frankly, probably shouldn't be in right now. And he was on Julio Jones a few times, too, and held his own. So that's, that's a good job by him. I will say, we saw this last year, right, where Kyler was making all of these magical plays in the first half of the season. He got popped a couple times in that Seattle game, and it was never the same. He wasn't able to do those things again. So, Jake, to your point, the health of this Cardinals team is going to be so important to whether or not they stay relevant in both terms of real-life football and in terms of fantasy relevance on a weekly basis. Yes, Jamie? One last note on that, too. is like, And I think that the games I have circled right now is the first three games of October, Okay because they're going to play the Vikings at home next week. Then they're going to go to Jacksonville. I don't imagine they're going to have much trouble with either one of those defenses. They Then they come back and they start October with these three matchups at the Rams, 
home against the Niners at the Browns. If this is a, if this team is for real, we will circle back right here the same time on October 17th and we'll talk. Those are the three games that are circled in my mind because if they go in and they can play, it might not necessarily even be beating all of those teams, but if they're highly competitive and they win one or two of those, we're going to look at them and say, yes, this is a playoff team. But that's because to me, I don't know if we're going to learn anything more in these next two matchups, even if, because quite frankly, they should have a lot of success in these next two matchups as well. Yeah. Uh, Seattle goes on the road to Indy. They win this game 28 to 16. Russell Wilson throws four touchdown passes, including just two of the prettier touchdowns that you'll see uh, to Tyler Lockett, who ends the day 4-100 with the two touchdowns. DK Metcalf owners, don't worry. He had four catches for 60 yards and one touchdown as well. Uh, you got what you expected from this Seattle team. And from, from Indy, I, I it, it felt like... I don't know. I, a lot to be desired with Carson Wentz in his debut. You could see it at times of what they're trying to do, what they think they can do, but it just left a lot to be desired, Jake. He was Carson Wentz. Yeah. There, there was some good. There was some bad. There was the, oh, my God, he's great. There was the, oh, my God, he's an idiot. He sucks. Uh, Jonathan Taylor couldn't get going, and everybody ran it on this defense last year for Seattle. Puna Ford got hurt at one point and had a little bit more success running the ball with Jonathan Taylor. He was good in the passing game. Naheem Hines, a big day. You could see the lack of weapons on the outside. Michael Pittman is not a number one. I've been trying to say that when T.Y. Hilton is back, if they had him, it would be a little bit different. But this indie defense that was supposed to be so dominant, yes, they're playing a really good offense. Giving up the deep ball, that's not the Indianapolis defense. Chris Carson ran all over him for a while. I mean, this was a Seattle game. We got a Chris Carson fumble. Like, we got a little bit of everything you normally get from Seattle. The greatest hits. The Frank Wright thing with the analytics pisses me off. These people – like Mina Kimes, I love you. You're great on TV. I really do. And I don't like anybody on ESPN. You're awesome. But this, you got to like look at some of the analytics and why you don't go 100% analytics. It's the easiest cop out in football. Well, the, the analytics say you go for it there. No, because you fumbled it on fourth and one, then you took a sack on fourth and two, and you're within one score in both of those. You kick yeah. both those field goals. This is a completely different game. You finally changed the momentum of the tide. And they didn't really have anything to lean on at that point. Like you couldn't even hand it off to Jonathan Taylor on both plays because you, you can't run it like you've been you've been running it the last couple of years. Yeah, and look, so it, it, my thought on that too is, and I, I'm fairly, I don't know if I say I wouldn't say big, I would say medium into analytics in sports, but they're a tool. They're not a crutch. And I think like even if you think about how you operate a business, and you know the CEO of a company does isn't necessarily an expert on every aspect of the company, and people will tell them certain things, but they have to make the decision. The analytics should be presented. And as the head coach, you are paid to then make that decision based on exactly. your experience and your information. And it, to just say, well, this is what it says. Well, then why are we paying you? We, we, we can pull the numbers ourselves. Like, what, what are you And this is for? one of those teams that always follows what the analytics say. And this is one that bit them in the ass royally in a game that they the finally called the way back in. I wonder if the analytics told them not to spend any of their cap space on a left tackle. Um, Zach Pascal? So I look at – uh, Zach Pascal, big game. Zach Pascal's big reason why I won so much money this weekend in owner's box. Uh, I told you he was a sneaky start for me. Uh, I loved him in this game. Uh, catches that touchdown late. Uh, this was a little bit of everything from from what you expect on the on the on the Seattle side. On Indy, I thought Carson Wentz was fine. That's as that's as good as I'll, I'll say that for him. Naeem Hines, I've been I've been preaching to you. He's going to have a major role on this team. I don't know. He had a major role even when Jonathan Taylor emerged last year. He was a top thirty running back in fantasy. He will continue to have a major role. Uh, I'm still of the mind that Michael Pittman is not a number one. I don't know what he's missing. He's just missing it. 
because uh, he, you know, he was behind Taylor and Hines and Pascal. Um, you know, so I have some concerns with this Colts team. They obviously missed Xavier Rhodes, but I, this this team isn't explosive enough to give up as many explosive plays as they did. Uh, and Tyler Lockett, another phenomenal game for him. Uh, really really emerged into a, a really nice all-around receiver these last couple of years. Like he's been real fun to watch. Yep. Before we move on to the next game and we continue this, this train moving here, Jamie, you mentioned it, that Zach Pascal, a big reason why you did so well in owner's box for those of the listeners who, I don't know why they wouldn't be listening to you at this point about participating in owner's box. Tell everybody what they can get over to ownersbox.com where they can join the fun and be just like you, Jamie, they can be just like you. Yeah, I mean, want a testimonial? I'll give you this right now. Uh, if you, you the guys could see it on the screen now, uh, you guys can't. But that that is a uh, thirty five hundred dollars I won tonight on Owner's Box and that, that one hundred thousand dollar game that we've been talking about all week long. And they're going to run contests like this all season long. They have Monday night contests. They're going to have a Thursday night contest for the upcoming Thursday night football matchup, and the same one just like this. And you just go to ownersbox.com or download the Owner's Box app and join today. Uh, I've been telling you play against me. I, I put my 10 lineups in and I, I'm coming away a few grand richer uh, this Sunday night. So as we're recording this late here on, uh, on central time. So I would encourage you to come and get on, get in on this money. Uh, this is not, not, this is no joke. I mean, I just showed the guys right now, the screen that I have right now, you can win real money right away. This was a $10 entry league coming away with 3501.16 is what my winnings will come away with in that game you can do that too uh maybe you can cost me some money uh and and finish wow. ahead of me next week in week two Take them down uh i encourage you to old to to listen to what i say just don't use my advice against me <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay yes, owner's box ios android download the app that's what i've been using right now updates in real time by the way uh which was really cool getting to use this platform and seeing how it works in week one I would way quicker to update than a lot of the other DFS apps that I've used, which I think is really encouraging when you're somebody like me and it's late and you feel like you're going to win money and you just want to keep checking it during Sunday night football. Uh, I, it was a really nice feature for those guys. And I'm going to brag I, to Tyler when he comes on the show later this week. I, I will let everybody know that we were going to, because the, the Sunday night game was in hand and I was like, okay, if we want to start early, you know, we can start early. So I put a message in our thing. Hey, whenever everyone's ready, we can start. And Jamie was like, yeah, let's wait till till it hits zero. You know, waiting on something, and I didn't know what it was. And well, because I can't necessarily, I I can't look through a thousand other lineups. So like, I, like I don't know lineup. what somebody else needs to bump me out. Because my best lineup finished third, and like the difference between finished third and sixth is like two thousand dollars. So I was like, uh, I'm not gonna celebrate till I see that hit triple zero. All right, we'll continue uh, going through these games. Enough, enough the Chargers. Me. Go into Washington. Uh, they beat uh, the football team 20 to 16. I think obviously the big story here is the injury to Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, hip injury looks like he's going to miss a couple of weeks. Uh, this Washington defense, they certainly gave uh, Taylor Heineke and company a chance. They weren't able to ultimately get it done. And, and guys, I think if we look at this from the Chargers perspective at first, Keenan Allen has a big game. He goes nine for 100. Doesn't get in the end zone, but nine catches for 100 yards. You'll take that. Mike Williams, eight catches, 82 yeah. yards and a touchdown. Like, I feel like that's where you got to start. A lot of slot time, too, for Mike Williams. Right. It's really interesting to see. I, I like that a lot. If that's how they're going to use him, then I'm going to end up being wrong on him. Because at least as long as, as long as he stays healthy. Because I really like the way they used him in this game. They moved him around. Because they used to basically just put him out, out wide and they would throw up, you know, four or five balls a game, make him win 50 50, and you come down for three catches for 70 yards and no touchdowns. 
that's not how Brandon Staley and, and Joe Lombardi and company used him in this game. So if this is an indicator of things to come, I'm a lot more excited about Mike Williams. And I think maybe the biggest surprise for me in this game was that the three of us had as many targets as Austin Eckler. Not a single target for Austin Eckler. It's weird. It's I mean, maybe the they were limiting the workload because of the injury. I mean, maybe. Possibly. But, it, but that's it, it, it's I mean, If he's going to play, well, you're going to, I mean, round trade eight carries to Eckler's 15. If you're going to play him, you think you play him in a place where you're going to throw it to him. Running backs got one target. One target to the entire running back group. Justin Jackson got one target, caught it for two yards. That was the only running back target in this game. Yeah, that's shocking. For the shocking to me. That's the way that they played the last few years to then change to this was crazy. And then Washington, look, this with, with Fitzpatrick going out, you kind of got what you got. You know, McLaurin ends yeah. up, you know, salvaging an okay day, four for 62. Logan Thomas gets in the end zone. Gibson was fine. You know, he fumbled it a couple times in this game, which is a little concerning. But yeah. other than that, um, it, it, it was such a weird game just because of with, with Fitzpatrick going out with that injury. 20 carries. I'm going to be, I'm going to warn you right now, this Washington defense, the secondary is okay. Linebacking core is weak. So while you're talking about this big time front seven, they can rush the passer for teams to get rid of the ball quick. They're going to have a decent amount of success. To me, the chargers defense under Brandon Staley was much improved. Now they're healthier than they've been in years, but that was impressive. But this offense, and by the way, I hope this is, I hope a few weeks is best case scenario for my boy Fitzmagic. You guys know, I love him. A subluxion of the hip is a dislocated hip. Yeah. That's Bo Jackson I, without the blood flow supply issue. This could be a career ender. It could be a couple weeks. We'll find out tomorrow, hopefully, with the MRI, but it doesn't sound super bad. Some, so of, us, yeah. some of us have Washington's team total win over, okay? So we're, I hope well, that's the case. You guys know I'm, I'm a Fitzmagic guy. Yeah, I, know. So I hope it's not the case. I, I think I this team should be case. good. Yeah, I hope it's not a season ender because if it is, that's it's a career ender at this yeah, point for, for Fitzpatrick. So we'll see. Hopefully it's not you know, we, we thought that we'll see. There's no, no use of speculating now, but uh, it's unfortunate, obviously, for Washington and very unfortunate for Ryan Fitzpatrick. I will say one more thing on this game. I was interested with Curtis Samuel being out who would emerge as the, the number two wide receiver on this team after Terry McLaurin. I thought maybe there would be a role uh, for Diami Brown in this game. Not really. He couldn't find uh, a role for himself. Logan Thomas ends up being the second leading catcher on the team. That's not so much of a surprise. If you listen to us here on this show, we rave about the role that Logan Thomas has had there in that Washington offense. So uh, Adam Humphrey said two catches, but they just couldn't once Fitzpatrick left the game. It was just tough for them to get anything going offensively. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to look up the snap count right now to see who ended up getting into that. I mean, Gibson uh, led the team in targets. So wide receiver, it was well. I mean, Diami Brown got almost as many tar- as snaps as he had four targets. Brown had fifty-five. Yeah. Diami Brown fifty-one. Adam Humphreys thirty-three, and nobody else had more than two. Like, I mean, that that's kind of how this offense operated in this game. Logan Thomas out there a bunch. So, uh, was what it was. Uh, I guess my my only other takeaway I want to mention for this game is is Larry Roundtree. Looks like the clear number two at the moment, and there's been a lot of discussion. Like he was the guy that I pegged as that before, but there's been a lot of Justin Jackson talk. So, again, this is back into your fantasy bench waiver wire type players, but it is worth noting that uh, that he was there. That and by the way, that Jalen Guyton was the clear three in terms of snap count, had 50 snaps compared to Josh Palmer's 14. In what uh, Jamie dubbed the narrative bowl all week long, when we brought this game up behind closed doors at the Draft Network. 
The Panthers beat the Jets 19-14 to at home. Sam Darnold, 279, one touchdown in his debut for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, McCaffrey has a big game, 89 uh, receiving yards. He's a freaking 90. cheat code, man. Yeah, yeah it's – it's. Uh, He's it, physically it, it, incapable yeah. of having bad football games. It's true. It's it, it certainly – The volume is insane. He gets in space. He's, he catches everything, and he's just a monster. Caught yeah, all nine yeah. targets for 89 yards on the ground, runs for 98 <laughs> yards. Like, it, dude's just a, a monster. This is this is why he's the number one pick always. Like, when he's out there, there's nobody that can touch him. No, and it was a big game for him, and he didn't even get in the end zone. And he had Very a, he interesting had a, game, though, guys. Like, Carolina's not very good still. You can say that like, again. No. They're playing the Jets, who were turning it over. We told you Corey Davis was going to be a thing. He damn sure was a thing today. Yes, Zach Wilson flashes, guys. He's I like this kid. Yeah. He's going to be good. Makai Beckton injury. Hopefully that's not too bad. He needs that big guy that played so well last year. But going back to Carolina, Robbie Anderson won for 57 and a big touchdown. Other than that, three targets total. It was not, it was ugly. Like it was nothing. DJ Moore is quarterback proof. He, he was he is what yep. he is for it's what six for 80 on eight targets. Uh, and McCaffrey's McCaffrey. But the rest of this team. Terrence Marshall Jr., six targets, three catches, 25 yards. They got some issues. Now, they got some pressure on that defense, but that defense is going to give up some things. I, I don't know what to make of this game. They, they won say, it like, handily, but it really wasn't. I will I say, like Terrence Marshall probably could have caught a touchdown if Sam Darnold doesn't overthrow him on that little out route that yeah. they ran. So his stat line could have looked a little bit better if that throw was on target. But, yeah, like they need somebody else to emerge as a, as a secondary target outside of McCaffrey and D.J. Moore. Yeah, I don't feel like there's. I don't feel like I learned much from this game. Like the I Jets can't run like the ball. Strong, I learned that. Well, yeah, but I didn't expect them to run the ball that, that effectively anyway. Uh, it, it just. I was hoping to have a more definitive opinion about Sam Darnold after this game, and I, I really don't either, in either direction. No, it's kind both, of both so teams, Jimmy. It's so funny. Yeah. Braxton Berrios is second on the Jets. Yeah, Keelan Cole was out. Well, like, uh, Mims yeah, Elijah, has forty. Elijah Moore. Well, he dropped a pass that he could have walked into the end zone if he would have caught it. He dropped it. Sorry, I was a little hot. Jamar Chase dropped every pass he saw until today. Well, these are when they count. So Jamar Chase greater than sign Elijah Moore. I'm just going back to the narrative bowl. The narrative is I don't think we learned that much about either team other than Jets aren't going to win a lot of games and their rookie quarterback seems to be special, but they don't have a lot around them. And I don't know what to make of this Carolina team other than they're getting better, but they are a long way from being good. Yeah, yeah, I certainly like the poise that Zach Wilson showed in the second half after that team did not play well in the first half, and they had opportunities to take a lead into halftime. They could have very easily been winning that football game, but he came out in the second half and was able to make those plays to at least give them a chance late. And I think last year that team would have folded um, in a lot of ways. So that was that was nice to see. And this team's not going to win a lot of games this year. Um, you know, as, as, as optimistic as I can be about them, they're not going to win a lot of games, but it was nice to see them fight. Here's a great tradition for you, Chris. Speaking of teams that aren't going to win a lot of games this year, the Houston Texans beat the Jacksonville Jaguars 37 to 21. And if you listen to this show, you heard it here. You should have played Tyrod Taylor this week in fantasy. I benched Justin Herbert to play Tyrod Taylor. Told you. One of the easiest decisions of all time. Where, where, where are the haters for, now? I said play Tyrod Taylor over Aaron Rodgers. This, where the this haters guy now? goes for 291, two touchdowns, adds 40 yards on the ground. And, and guys, this Jacksonville team is not going to be very good. They cannot oh, they protect suck. their quarterback. They holy, cannot protect. Trevor I'm not going to make you add this, but holy S word, they freaking suck. By the Wait, way, so, so how good is Urban Meyer? Because I thought he was going to um, be the the all end all be all for twelve million dollars a year for this team to be great in week horrible. one. Oops. No, he'll just fire half his staff at the end of the year and pretend like they're the they're at fault. And end of the year, and then he'll get fired after next year. I think a third of them aren't making it to Halloween. 
I'm going to make it till next week. Um, speaking of quarterback proof, Brandon Cooks. Yes. <laughs> He's got to stay healthy, but looked awesome in this game. Five for 132 on seven targets. Uh, I had the wrong tight end pegged. I said Jordan Akins. It was Farrell <laughs> Brown that was the tight end of choice for uh, Terod Taylor in this matchup. But um, by the way, and it's so it's I, I told you this with the, the you saw it firsthand now of how the Houston Texans want to use their running backs. Like it's five years ago and Mark Ingram's getting all the carries with but, a little bit of Philip Lindsay baked in there. Uh, and David Johnson's in there for passing downs. Catches a, David Johnson catches a touchdown, saves his fantasy day, but 26 carries for Mark Ingram. I didn't expect year, him to lead. I didn't 20, expect him 21. to lead the team. I didn't. I thought it was going to be Lindsay and, six and then Ingram with a, a little bit behind him. I did not expect 21 all, right, more like carries. 10, 10 and 10. Yeah, I thought yeah. it would be more even than, than him carrying no. the ball 26 times. Get um, 21 more carries than James Robinson. DJ Chark? So that was what surprised me the most. And it's not like he had the one big play, but 12 targets 12 in targets. this game. Yeah. Now, we only caught three of them because he's DJ Chark, but 12 targets in this game is, is something I have to at least be aware of. I mean, Marvin Jones and LaVisca Schnault each got nine as well. The interesting one for me, though, was James O'Shaughnessy at eight. Of like we were waiting to see if there's a tight end in that offense that maybe emerges as a target hog. Probably going to give it another week. Not like you're going to pick up James O'Shaughnessy and play him until there's bye weeks anyway. But one to kind of keep an eye on. Carlos Hyde was in there for a lot of passing downs. Um, James Robinson did not have a good game. Trevor Lawrence did not have a good game. That third interception, I I still can't tell you where where he was throwing that ball. Guys, there are rookie uh, mistakes, and then there's some that. of the stuff he did for yeah. the most polished guy since Andrew Luck. It, it was bad. Like it was, it was some really bad, bad mistakes of forcing the ball, and they're not very good, guys. We're going to get this same game where he throws it fifty times every week. Now he's going to be a stud. He's got to stop making these mistakes. But these receivers, we've been telling you this whole offseason, we like them all. Like we like yeah. Marvin Jones better, and Chark was kind of the guy that we didn't like as much because we thought Irvin hated him. But apparently, Trevor Lawrence doesn't hate him because he <laughs> threw it that way a ton. The running back thing really is confusing me, Jamie. I mean, Carlos yeah. Hyde. Was was a thing. I mean, like, I guess that's the Ohio State Urban Meyer likes him better than James Robinson thing. But James Robinson, clear better player last year. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. This team is not very good. I was not impressed with anything I saw. I thought defensively, all these young studs that they have would play better collectively than they did. Houston dominated this game. This game was not thirty from start to thirty-seven twenty-one. It was. It felt way worse than that watching some of it. Yeah, and uh, Jacksonville now they're at home next week, but they're going up against that Vic Fangio defense in Denver. Uh, I do not. That's going to be a much greater challenge to them than whatever Houston was throwing out there. And uh, I guess we yeah. give a little shout out to Danny Amendola still doing it. Caught a yeah. touchdown today too, five for thirty-four touchdown. I just he signed like on Thursday for the second time in their last two tries. The Cleveland Browns almost went into Kansas City and beat the Chiefs. Two, two straight times, they almost did it, but they did not come away with the win. The Chiefs come back and win 33-29. to 29. And I, I'll say something at the risk of both my co-hosts yelling at me for saying this. Fantasy-wise, I don't think I learned a lot here. I think all the guys that I expected to do well did what they were supposed to do. Like the running back um, room for Cleveland, Nick Chubb did what I expected. Kareem Hunt got the, got a vulture touchdown. Like it kind of went the way I, only thing I learned fantasy-wise is that Kevin Stefanski, who won Coach of the Year last year, had the ball with the lead on his own 20 and threw the ball three straight times and punted without handing the ball to Nick Chubb. Now Chubb fumbled at the 50 yard line late. That really cost his team a ton. Uh, and Joku surprised me. Uh, Hooper goes out and has like three catches for 24 yards on the first drive. And then Joku ends up leading the team in receiving yards. 
I don't know. I mean, Hunt was a thing. He shouldn't have been a thing because Chubb didn't get his normal amount of carries. Baker was solid. They need to trade OBJ and get out of that contract and move the hell on. Schwartz is pretty damn good. I picked the Browns to win. I'll be honest. I'm going to say it right now on the show. I picked them to win because I thought they would at least – I knew they – I thought they'd cover the six and a half. Yeah, I thought that, I, that would end up being a kickoff. Did. But they had this game in hand. But the Chiefs offense, they had two guys. I mean, Edwards Hilaire yeah. doesn't do anything really. Kelsey didn't have a monster day. He caught the two touchdowns, so it was really good fantasy-wise. But this was all about what I said going into the game. Cover Tyreek Hill and let Kelsey beat you. And they couldn't do it. No, they couldn't. And, and it's interesting because from a Kansas City side, this is – I mean, I had Tyreek Hill as my number one receiver for the week, and he lived up to that expectation. 11 for 197 and a touchdown, which included that 75-yarder. It's amazing to me because there's literally not a game the Chiefs can't win. Like there, there's no deficit they can overcome. There's no poorness that they can do play in the first half. They don't have a chance to win even against good teams. And we've seen them come back and beat the Browns. As long the as they have those three guys. Yes. Because they, they I mean, Edwards Allaire, yeah. Cause I mean, Edwards Allaire did nothing. Um, really. I'm, I'm counting him as the third guy, not, not Mahomes. Yeah. We know Mahomes, but like they got, he got to throw it to somebody other than Clyde Edwards Allaire, Tyree Kill and Kelsey. That team is just a lot. And by the way, I told you this, that yes, they retooled the offensive line and they're okay. But big boy Orlando Brown is not a left tackle. I mean, late in that game, Miles Garrett ran past him like he was standing still and he didn't get his feet out of the grass before he hit Patrick Mahomes on a very important third down. So two things I learned quickly is one guy that I should, I'm just keeping an eye on and putting a star next to Anthony Schwartz. Um, two, it's the Njoku stuff. As like Jake said, Austin Hooper catches three passes on three targets in the opening drive and literally does not get another target the rest of the game. Uh, which, What's that again, about? as somebody that Kevin? had over three and a half catches, yeah. I felt What's really good about? about that, getting three catches on the opening Thanks. drive, and then he never gets targeted again. He was my, um, he was my, he was my DFS um, tight end today, and I was like, oh, first drive? Great, three catches. What it's, about, what it's about is what I told you last year when Joku was supposed to be my surprise player because he's a seven-foot high jumper in high school, the athleticism, but he was really young and he was going to mature. Maybe we're seeing that now before they trade him, or maybe they're not going to because yeah. he's actually going to become a thing. And we're all and he wants to be there. Yeah, you just got to stay healthy because last year he looked like he oh he might flash to be a thing, and then he got hurt. Let's if he stays healthy, we'll see. The Dolphins go into Foxborough. They beat the Patriots seventeen to sixteen. I will obviously open the floor up to you guys of, of what stood out to you. Damian Harris, I think the twenty three carries for the hundred yards on the ground is something to keep an eye on, and I think. Jamie, you talked about this a lot after free agency of, man, New England brought all these guys in. They brought in the two tight ends. How were they going to utilize them? What was this going to look like? We got a first glimpse of it. And the snap count was almost identical. I think they were one snap apart from each other in John Smith and Hunter Henry. Neither one has a monster game. I mean, five for 42 for John, three for 31 for Hunter Henry. James White was a factor, which I think was important. And I think he'll could. Mac Jones had a beautiful throw along the sideline to James White. That wheel route. Right in the bucket. Oh. Yeah. Mac Jones really, talk about a guy that flashed at times yeah, today. No, it wasn't a losing effort, but he flashed at times today. Aguilar gets a touchdown in his debut. Like here, I guess I don't want to criticize a guy that ran for 100 yards on 23 carries, but this is the concern from the fantasy perspective is. How often is he going to get in the end zone? And if he doesn't get in the end zone, is he going to be anything more than a flex play for you? Because as good of a game as he had, and he had 25 touches in this game, he got you less than 14 points in PPR. My guy, like, my guy bit fun. me in the ass, James, because he wouldn't have had that many touches if Ramondre Stevenson doesn't fumble in the first yeah. quarter. He was going to be a thing, and it might have been seven or eight, nine yeah. touches, but he would have taken those away from Harrison. It wouldn't have been as big of a day. Uh, he also got trucked, absolutely trucked, 
by Roberts on a freaking blitz up the middle, ran him over, hits Mac Jones, and gets one of the worst passenger fair, roughing the passer calls I've ever seen. It was absolutely. Oh, God, I'll tell true. you what I learned today. Yeah. And I said it on the show the other day, Chris, without even pausing when you asked me who's going to have the best career. Mac Jones is freaking legit. And Cam Newton yeah. can kiss everybody's ass if he wants to go on Twitter and say he didn't beat him out. Bullshit. We all watched it with our eyes, him outplay you. This kid can freaking play. And yeah. what do I say all the time, guys? The quarterback position is played between your ears. I don't give a damn what your 40 time is. I don't care how athletic you are. He made all the right reads. And every single one of those guys you just mentioned, Jamie, are all fantasy relevant every week because he's going to spread the ball out to where the ball is supposed to go on that freaking play. Yep. That He's good. No, I was impressed. He's, 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 he's making this team a legitimate contender again as a freaking rookie. And he's yeah, way better I, than Tua. I was not impressed. I was impressed. The the ball. I, I was impressed with the way Mac Jones played today. I, I really was. He kept that team in that game. And again, that defense in Miami's good. Like really yeah. good. Yeah, they're talented. Yeah. Um, anything on the Miami side of things, Jamie? Jalen Waddle. Yeah, Mike Kosecki is a non-factor. Okay, yeah, that too. A complete non-factor in this offense. Uh, you know, Jalen Waddle, decent game. Good to see Devontae Parker look healthy in this matchup as well. Uh, but this is kind of what the peak is for the for these guys with with two at quarterback. You know, if they don't catch a touchdown, they'll be hanging around that 10, 11 point mark. But the fact that Jacecki was just a l- complete non-factor, like you got what you expected from Gaskin. You know, he's going to have weeks like this most often. Whether he pops into RB one territory is just matters of whether he scores or not. But uh, you know, again, he gets fifty yards on the ground, twenty seven through the air, fourteen touches. I mean, it's. Uh, that's exactly what you would expect from all these guys. So I, I think these lines for Miami are going to look very similar uh, throughout the year. Again, barring, you know, who scores on a given week. In what yeah, is probably- I mean, it's going to be a little bit. When Will Fuller gets back, I really want to see what this offense looks like if they're yeah. going to spread it out a little bit more because now you got three dynamic playmakers. I was impressed with Waddle as a rookie in his first game. The speed showed up. The run after the catch showed up. The reasons you love him. What didn't show up was the RPO slants. They were throwing him to Parker. That was, that was really yeah. interesting to me. Which it was like lot. Dante Parker became the slant guy, and Waddle was more outside. They were taking some shots. Tua was not very impressive, guys. I was not. Eichenberg was solid at left tackle, had some, had, some, uh, had some penalties. He was he was kind of up and down, but he was solid. When Austin Davis comes back, is Austin Davis? Austin whatever. Uh, um, Austin Jackson. Austin Jackson, yeah. The kid's their first-round pick last year from SC. He comes back. Eichenberg can be more of a swing player. I think they're going to be okay. I think Gaskin's going to play good. This defense is legit. I mean, those two of those two best corners, the best yeah. corner tandem in football. Um, I, I think that's, I think they're going to win some games, but I was not impressed with Tua. I was, he, he doesn't, when he got hurt in, in college, I said it twice. If he was that good of an athlete, why is he getting caught from behind in the SEC? If you think he's going to be a dual threat runaround guy in the NFL, but he's getting caught in college, he doesn't look fast when he tries to get out of the pocket. Now they ran one, Eichenberg got a holding call late on a really, really nice naked boot. And to a, to a guy around the end, but even that he didn't look fast and explosive. He doesn't look like Justin Fields when he gets out there and runs. It looks faster than everybody else. It, it's kind of blah for me. And to me, I think the biggest thing, and we can move off this game, was the, the interception that he throws late in the game was something you just absolutely cannot do. Like you have to understand that you are a defense defense first team, take care of the ball, taking unnecessary risks with the lead late in the game like that is just something you just can't do. You can't do that for you, Tua. In what was probably the most surprising result of the entire slate in a game that wasn't even in their own building. They had to go play someplace else. They were playing in Jacksonville at TIA, TIAA Bank Stadium. The New Orleans Saints beat the Green Bay Packers 38 to 3. And I want to talk about it's all the stuff. It's not even a strong stuff, enough word, Chris, for what they did to the Packers today. But I'm going to share on this show the take that I shared with Jamie in our, we were texting back and forth between the game. 
I know it's kind of his default setting at times because he very rarely shows emotion. Aaron Rodgers looked like he wanted to be doing anything else but be the starting quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. It looked like he didn't even care that they were down 38-3. to He was just like, whatever, I'm here. And that's not a shot at Aaron. I'm not taking a shot at Aaron. I'm just telling you what I saw. He has looked at times like he has not want to be there. Nothing like what I saw today. It looked like he would rather be doing anything else than play quarterback. When they get the, beat, the breaks beat off him like they did today, he kind of has that same body language. He's not the greatest body language guy ever, but you're right. It was first quarter. Yeah, really it was first doing, drive. I really want to be doing this for this team. I saw some tweets of, you know, the Aaron came back to tank the Packers, and I'm all here for it, stuff like that. It, that's funny. They got the shit beat out of them. They got yeah. – I tell you what, I don't know how many games the Saints are going to win, and we can give Jameis his props. He had the five touchdowns. He didn't. I didn't see anything from him in this game because the Packers played so bad that really lets me know how good the Saints are. Other than their defense is still pretty damn good, and their offensive line is still really freaking good, which means Jameis is going to be okay. And he threw a pick and got bailed out on an absolutely garbage freaking rough in the passer call in this game as well. But he was good. But the Packers, that's just one of those games, man. Like when the wheels fall off. This is one of those games I said it last year, like when the Bucs played the Saints, the wheels were never there. Like they, they just, they showed up, they got out game plan, they got out played, they got out tough, they got out man, they got out everything. Yeah, I, at this point, if you have any Packers on your team, just throw out this game. Um, at least at this stage, we'll, we'll circle back in a week or two and see how we feel. But there, there's no, there's nothing I can take out of this game from a fantasy standpoint from a Green Bay side. Like I thought I, it was I, really funny that Aaron Rodgers made this big to do about Randall Cobb. And then the only time yeah. Randall Cobb played was when Aaron Rodgers had already been benched for Jordan Love in this game. Yeah. Like Randall Cobb was one target. three quarters. One target in this game. For, for and it was from Jordan Love. Found, yeah, and I also found that there's a lot of irony in that Jordan Love's first career completion goes to A. Rodgers, which I just it's, – it's, it's a fun little uh, bar trivia thing for you. It's somewhere down yeah, the road. That but that, awesome. there's, just, there's some synchronicity in that that's really funny. Uh, on the Saints side, I don't think we learned. I guess I would caution on the uh, the Juwan Johnson one. I, I he didn't play that many snaps. Like he, he caught two touchdowns like 14, though, Jamie. 15, two two know, touchdowns, but he yeah, got out snapped like three to one by Troutman. Yeah. So like, I, I I'm not rushing to the waiver wire to pick up Juwan Johnson. That that's all I'm saying about that. I, I like what they've been trying to get a converted wide receiver. He had a good camp. I you know. He's kind of semi-famous on TikTok for whatever that's worth. That's high juju. But like whatever it is, it's like I'm not running in a waiver wire for him. So I feel like he could be a player that gets an overreaction to. Um, you know, Marcus Callaway had a bad game, but he wasn't. We told you that was coming. Ryan Alexander. Yeah, we told you that was coming as well. Jameis Winston still with the weirdest stat line. 14 of 20, 148 and 5. What a weird stat line that is. Well, he had four um, touchdowns at one point and it didn't have 100 yards. Like it Yeah, was just, he had like four touchdowns at 92 yeah. yards. Like, I was like, what's what's happening in this football game? They ran it pretty Tony Jones is going to never roll. Yeah. The Denver Broncos beat the New York Giants 27 to 13. And listen, I'm going to do some dunking here on behalf of the show, okay? If only there was a podcast out there that told you that Saquon Barkley was not going to have a big time production. And Odell Beckham. Maybe, maybe. Early on in in the season. If only there was a podcast of three people that told you that. He ended up having 10 carries for 26 yards. He had one catch. He had three total targets, one catch for one yard. He did nothing. Was not was a non-factor oh. in this football game. Chris, what else did we tell you about the Giants? Um, we told you about which receiver you want to have. Yeah, you want Sterling Shepard on your team, not Kenny Galladay. Yeah, you're welcome, everybody. Okay, I started Sterling Shepard this week. It worked out pretty well for me. Um, yep. Teddy Bridgewater looked good. Teddy's good. I've been saying Teddy's solid. I know. 
Portland Sutton was not a thing. That kind of pissed me off. Jerry Judy goes out for six to eight weeks with a hot, bad high ankle sprain, apparently. So yeah. I think Sutton would be a thing, but that's going to hurt. He's just lucky he didn't break it. Like, I, yeah, I, I saw that Judy hit. I'm like, oh, he's not playing again this year. Like, I yeah. thought that was it. I thought we were dealing with another. And so he's going to miss some time. North fan caught some passes. Uh, you know, Melvin Gordon had a better day on paper because of that long touchdown run. This was very much a 50-50 split with him. Jamie, and they were like alternating plays at one point. Like they literally yeah. like one carry, one carry, one carry. Like it was crazy. So it's a little nervous. I, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on that right now because I did. I expected to be more like 60-40 with Gordon clearly being the 60, and that really wasn't the case. He has that huge run and has a, has a really strong fantasy day. Um, and obviously was more targeted in the passing game, but uh, something I'm keeping an eye on. And from the Giants, you know, we, I've been telling you Sterling Shepard's the Giants receiver you want. He's the, He had the great game, and that Saquon Barkley is going to be off to a slow start. And he got, what did he get here, 11 touches in this game and didn't really look great with them either. Their offensive line is absolute hot garbage. It doesn't matter if he's healthy, which he's not. They rushed him back. He shouldn't have played in this game because I don't, I don't know that he's going to even play Thursday night in a game that could be winnable with this magic out. I'm going to give Jamie some props, man. Jamie has some dudes a year ahead of time. Like Jamie is the number three receiver wizard of all time. Like it was Chris <laughs> Godwin before Chris Godwin became Chris Godwin. It's been some other guys. Tim Patrick is a thing. And Jamie said, watch out for Tim Patrick a long time ago. He's still going to be there loaded. It's KJ Hamler. It's all these, the, the big freaking physical guy. That's the possession guy was still a thing. Had a bunch of catches and a bunch of love in this game. With Jerry Judy being down, he's still going to be a thing. He's a guy I think you ought to go look and, and, and wake yes, up and, and grab in this game. Cortland Sutton's going to be back to being the number one. He got he got the most attention on this group. That's why the other guys got so much love. But Tim Patrick's still a thing. Yeah, and again, Sutton's coming off ACL too. So, like, he's going to be a little bit slower to get things going. Even though he's clearly a tremendous talent, but it's going to be a process for him to get up and running too. Yeah, Tim Patrick is going to be a guy. Uh, I, I'm – this Broncos team was – this was my bold prediction, if you remember, uh, on today's – if you watch the Money Down show, my bold prediction was that the, the uh, Broncos would not only win, not only cover three, but they would cover nine and a half and win by double digits. And it ended up happening here. Just, you're just going to dunk on everybody today, Jimmy. I love it. I, I And you, the floor is all yours. I've today, had a good so. day today. Yeah, you're allowed to do it today. i got to take uh, advantage because I'm going to have some really bad ones at some point. That's last- how this rolls. The last game for us to talk about here on this show, uh, Los Angeles Rams, Chicago Bears, Sunday Night Football, the Rams, they win this game 34-14. to 14. And, I, and I texted Man, Jamie. Give, give Sean McVay a QB, right, Chris? I, I texted you right away, and I said the first touchdown that Matt Stafford threw is the quintessential example of the difference between Matt Stafford and Jared Goff. There is no difference in that play design. That is the same play they would have run if Jared Goff was there, but the execution is different because Matt Stafford is the quarterback and not Can we talk about something for a second? I I got to pick you guys' brains on this. What freaking producer was telling Chris Collinsworth to talk about the fact that Matt Stafford can't throw on the run or couldn't run the nakeds in the boots? And that was the question with Matt Stafford. That's what he does as good as anybody in the freaking league. That's so why they I, wanted him. How is this a freaking narrative for NBC tonight on this damn broadcast? It was absolutely garbage. So, Jake, I know that you are not watching the broadcast for the Thursday night football game between the, you know, the Cowboys and the Bucks. But at the end of the broadcast, they, they were teasing the Sunday night coverage of this game. And Chris went, you know, I, I did some digging. I looked into it, and Matt Stafford's better than I than I thought he was. And I was like, 
What did you think Matt Stafford was? Like, did you think he was bad? Like, I mean, apparently he thinks Jalen Moore needs to coach him and be his next head coach because I know that's all I talked about in the first half as the Bucks were running up and down the field on that defense. I was like, Chris, you, you've kind of missed the boat. Matt Stafford, very good quarterback, stuck on a bad team. Get him on a good team, watch what happens. And you saw it tonight. He goes for 321, three touchdowns. This looked, I, this looked exactly the way I think we thought this Rams offense would look. Kind of. They were okay. They, they hit some big plays and some busted coverages. It was really interesting because they were, there were times they weren't very good. They didn't run it when they needed to early in the first half. The play action was there, but it wasn't because they set up the run. That freaking secondary just sucks in Chicago. Other than Eddie Jackson, they don't have anything left. Yeah. The front seven's still okay as long as big boy uh, Akeem Nix is up there. But I don't know, man. I told you guys, Deshaun Desai is not freaking Vic Fangio, and he's damn sure not Chuck Pagano of what's going on. He's the next guy. He's been there for a long time. But the things I'm hearing is this defense is in disarray. You saw it tonight. Andy Dalton wasn't that bad. I know that's like the biggest take. I mean, like I think I'd rather be somebody that really down on their luck that's living a really bad life than I would rather be Andy Dalton as a starting quarterback in the NFL. You think that would be awesome. But like everybody in the Chicago Bears that's ever even thought about liking Chicago Bears hates his guts. Justin Fields is not doing better than this right now, people. This offensive line is bad. And I think that's that's the weird underlying narrative that we're going to be discussing all year. And it, and it, you're in a weird spot too because Nagy's fighting for his life as the head coach. But the reality is, is I don't – I selfishly i want to see justin fields on the field i don't necessarily want to see him on the field with the way this team is currently constructed because i don't think it's very conducive to him being in the best position to succeed based on how i mean i mean especially the offensive line was bad already and got decimated by injuries again tonight uh, this game was closer than the final score indicates i mean the rams hit those explosive plays with devan jefferson but if you take away up, like, you take away the last touchdown and you add the first where andy dalton throws the pick this is a close game, and the Bears ran it really, really well in that on that 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 defense. The in LA, which the, I thought wasn't going to be as good, but they were still pretty good. The Bears were the better team in the first half of this game, and it just they couldn't get. They just there was never felt like they could sustain it. Uh, to your point, Jake, from the shows that we talked about last week, Cooper Cup monster game here, seven for one hundred eight and a touchdown on his ten targets there. Daryl Henderson's slow start, but once they got the lead, they let they leaned on him heavily, ends up getting 70 yards and a touchdown on the ground. And, you know, from the Bears side of things, Montgomery looked good, but as long as Matt Nagy's calling plays, he's going to be limited in the amount of touches he gets. It's it's the, the stark difference between David Montgomery's workload with Matt Nagy calling the plays and Bill Lazor calling the plays was massive. And it's just why when I, I went on the show and I found out that Nagy took back play calling, I said, well, I have to adjust my David Montgomery ranking, but he looked good when he got the opportunities, but he only gets one target. He's not used in the passing game as much when Nagy's there. And they really spread the ball around. Cole Komet, five catches. Robinson gets six catches. Marquise Goodwin, four catches. Damian Williams, four catches. Mooney, five catches. But just like, it was just kind of bleh all around uh, for this team. So I think you're going to see more of this. And this, this game next week in Cincinnati is fascinating. Like, this game is a lot more interesting now than I think it would have been mm-hmm. 24 hours ago. Bears come back home, the Andy Dalton revenge game. But can this Bears offense keep up with the high-flying offense that Cincinnati has, particularly the way the secondary played? Khalil Mack's going to have to have a big day for that to happen. I mean, if you ask any of us before yesterday, do we think the Bears or the Vikings are better? We're probably going to say the Vikings. Well, Cincinnati beat the Vikings today. The Bears really was pretty close tonight, but they didn't. I mean, like they have major flaws. Their offensive line is a major flaw. Their secondary is a major flaw that they can't fix. 
And if they have any injuries, like I said, Hakeem Nix gets hurt again up front, and now you can run it on him and throw it on him. Cool. I just don't know if the Bengals can run it as efficiently next week as they did today against that Vikings defense. That'll be a really, really key to that game, but it's really going to be a fascinating game to me because the Bears lose, go 0-2. Justin Fields is playing the next week because Nagy needs a skateboard well, to keep maybe, maybe. I, I don't know if I want to put him in there against Cleveland. In Cleveland. Probably not, but he's still he's gonna go try to keep his job because now he's got to skate for week four. Year. Same for that Lions defense at home. Week, week four, four against the Lions, baby. I've been saying it all offseason. That's the spot. But, um, That's the spot. The, the interesting thing, and one last point I want to this before we get into like briefly Monday night and, and wrapping up the show because we're already about an hour now. Oh yeah. Ryan Pace takes a lot of heat for the quarterback stuff. He should take more heat for cap management on this team. Because you release guys like Charles Leno and Kyle Fuller and all these guys because you signed Jimmy Graham to massive deals, because you signed uh, Trey Burton to massive deals, Danny Trevathan to massive deals, Robert Quinn to massive deals. And you had to actually release players that have been, again, essentially would have ended up being your starting left tackle and your starting CB1 this offseason because of some of those deals over the last few years. And that, that part does not get talked about as much as the QB situation. Great point. And Nick, and by the way, trading for Nick Foles and his cap hit, like those are all things that like if you take even like two of those off the books, they could afford to kept Fuller and probably Charles Leno and all these other guys. So just stuff to consider now that you, you've paid up in a lot of areas outside of the quarterback situation that's really put this team in a bind. Quick thoughts here on Monday Night Football. As we, yes, Jamie, we have passed the hour mark here on the week one wrap up. Not surprised. I knew we were going to have a lot of thoughts here on the week one football. Um, have a long Monday morning commute. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. Um, I'm going Lamar, Lamar, Lamar. I think he has a monster night. Yeah. I think he, he knows he has to be Lamar. He's got to run all over the place. His weapons are limited. The running backs are limited. I think him and Andrews go off, and I think Lamar runs all over the place, and they win by 10-plus. I'm expecting a big game from Lamar. My thing I'm most curious to see is what they have in Tyson Williams because we've heard they like him a lot. They're going to have to like him a lot. They're down all of their guys. I mean, Latavius Murray is probably going to be RB2 for this game. We'll see if they bring up a Le'Veon Bell or Devonta Freeman off the practice squad. Jamie, here's a question away. for you. When you're reading between the yeah. lines and head coach's comments, and Harbaugh comes out and says, Le'Veon Bell needs a while to get his legs under him. And then Latavius Murray, they sign, and says he's the perfect fit for our team. There is a if I don't care how much you yes. want to read or where you want to go there, that means Le'Veon Bell doesn't look that good. Le'Ve- Latavius Murray's in shape. And where he's going to play before Bell. I don't know. If, I don't know if Bell's ever going to be a thing for them unless they get another injury. I don't know if Bell's ever going to be a thing ever again, quite yeah. frankly. I yeah. think between the attitude and the skill set diminishing at this point, like I think it is what it is. I think once everything went south in Pittsburgh, that was the end. Uh, yep. I did not love the way that things worked out last year with Kansas City, and particularly his comments about, like, oh, yeah, I went there so I wouldn't have to do as much. Like, oh, that's not what, again, sometimes you don't say that part out loud. Like sometimes you just keep a few things to yourself, uh, and that would did not do him any favors. Uh, if Murray can play, he's a better fit. I do have concern that Murray lost his job to like a UDFA from two years ago, but the second week of camp that scares me. He did me look a damn bit. good today, though. Yeah, they, Tony Jones did look good today. He so maybe that maybe it's more about Tony Jones and less about Latavius Murray. But yeah. uh, I'm excited to see how they because uh, I have I honestly I have no scouting report on Tyson Williams. No idea. None. I have no idea what we're getting. So I'm really curious to see how he plays. Uh, Josh Jacobs, by the way, uh, we found out during the day uh, has been downgraded to questionable. Uh, so there's something to kind of keep an eye on and seeing how much he's used, if he's out there at all, what Kenny Drake's role is going to be. There's going to be a hell of an environment, though. Uh, I, I think the pregame ceremonies and the, and the pregame, like when they go the aerial view of the stadium, is going to be awesome to watch. 
Raiders are going to be hyped up. I just don't think they're going to be good enough in this game. But this also kind of feels like a game the Raiders could still win. Like, I, I, I wouldn't rule them out. That Marcus Peters being being hurt is a factor. I just don't think the Raiders have enough firepower to keep up with Lamar Jackson. They still got Jimmy Smith and Marlon Humphrey. I think they're going to be okay on defense. I, I think they win this game. By the way, could this be a worst-case scenario if you're, like, Allegiant is following up SoFi? I mean, yeah. LA, LA out glitz and glam the hell out of Vegas. They Bruce Buffer inter- introduces the freaking game. Yeah. Like, what is Vegas doing now? Like, it, I, yeah, how did I, Vegas? I wait to go to, I'm Buffer. going to LA in a couple weeks. I've been to Allegiant. Allegiant was okay. The way the SoFi looked on TV tonight, I would not want to be oh, the Vegas phenomenal. introducing our stadium to the world the next night after SoFi because yep. it looked spectacular. Also, how did Vegas not get Bruce Buffer? Like, if you, if, that's if, what if I'm city, saying. I'm like, how did they the let this city happen? It's gonna. That's going to do it for us here on the TDN Fantasy Podcast presented by Bet Online. Uh, let's do our social plugs here before we get out of here. Jake, where can everybody follow you on social media? Jake B. Arians on Twitter, Arians NFL on Instagram. Jamie? Follow me, follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter and at Jamie Eisner TDN on Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter at Shoe Radio, S-C-H-U Radio. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter at TDN Fantasy and the draftnetwork.com underneath the fantasy tab. Jamie's week two rankings. I don't know when they're going to come out. I don't want to put my friend on the spot here. Tuesday. They will come out. Okay, so Tuesday, you can expect those to drop. You can expect to hear from us next on Tuesday when we give you thoughts for week two waiver wire pickups. We get you ready for another week of NFL action. So everybody enjoy the start to your week. We'll talk to you on Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.